We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. Joining me now from West Bank First Nation is Angie Derrickson. Angie, great to have you on Land Decolonize. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Richard. I'm happy to be here. Now, uh, we'll get into your, your job and your responsibilities there at the Resource Center shortly, but I understand that right now we've caught you during a break when you're giving a presentation to another organization or with another organization. Tell us what that's all about. Oh, for sure. We are just doing a May 3rd and 4th on BC Links to Learning. So essentially bringing all First Nations in BC together for a conversation on land economics and uh, land governance. So our, the Resource Centre is excited to be a partner this year. So we have several workshops that we're putting on over the next two days. And I, mine was this morning, so... <laughs> Yeah. And well, British Columbia is a real hot spot for land code development, right? Right back to the early days. Yeah. The, yeah. There's lots of activity uh, with the First Nations in BC. So definitely a, a hot spot for sure. Okay. Tell us about your position at the Resource Center. Uh, you are responsible for training, mentorship, and professional development. You've got your hands full. Yeah, we um, we have a, a great uh, training, mentorship, and professional development strategy. Uh, that we put together for our signatory nations uh, across Canada. Uh, a part of our responsibilities are to ensure that there's uh, sufficient um, uh, capacity support for for those nations that are looking to build up their land governance under the framework agreement. So yeah, we have lots of lots of courses and resource materials, and we also have had an active workshop schedule. Um, over the last uh, three to four years. Of course, we've had to move virtually to accommodate that over the last year and a bit. So We'll break down some of the elements of your training, uh, but first, can I have you describe in a general way how it works? Like, let's say a new community, new First Nation signs on as a developmental First Nation. What happens from there? Somebody obviously lets you know, and how does it flow out from there? Yeah, we have a, a great team of staff at, uh, through the Resource Centre. So we really collaborate together when it comes to supporting the nations with their specific needs. Once a nation uh, becomes developmental, the, uh, their regional uh, support technicians will be on the ground helping them day to day on the, on the needs that they have in developing their land code, um, working with uh, putting together the individual agreement with Canada and then to develop their own community ratification process. And through that, through that uh, work specifically with the land code is really where the nations come bring forward what their specific needs are for their community. And from that, we can help to design or support the specifics of what their needs are in moving forward in capacity building. And what are some of those specific needs for communities just starting out? Some nations may have a lot of uh, land registry uh, interests. So that would be something if they do have a land registry uh, active system that we would 
um, support designing that in a transitional phase so that when they're ready for to become operational that they'll have their system in place for their effective date. Others may not have high registration but they may have focused environmental concerns so we work with them to support the development of their policy and procedure to uh, take over those responsibilities as well as uh, land use planning is definitely a really important role that that plays moving forward in land governance. And you've got quite a background at, at the grassroots level in land. Uh, can you maybe tell us a bit of your personal journey and how that matches so well with what you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a member of West Bank First Nation. And I've worked at West Bank for 17 years and 10 of those years, I was the senior lands officer uh, there. So at West Bank, of course, we are now self-governing. Um, at the time when I worked there, we were under 5360 delegated authority. And so that the processing of uh, land transactions, um, essentially the council had the management responsibility for that under, under those delegated authorities. So really processing documentation and registry um, and having council sign off on, on those uh, needs. And then from uh, under 5360, we moved forward under land code. And so we developed our, our land rules, which we call them, to be designed to then uh, essentially fit into our self-government agreement when, when that became effective. So we did a lot of transitional work moving from under the Indian Act into our land code. And so all of, I was involved hands-on in all of that experience. So I'm uh, happy to bring that forward and to support the needs of our existing signatory nations to, you know, really have those conversations on finding out what is it that we need, how do we communicate this to the proponents in our area, and have also have our surrounding communities uh, uh, respect the authority that the First Nation has gained under the framework agreement. So in that in that role with West Bank back then, I mean, you're in the shoes of people who are doing that today. So you've got a really good feel for the things they're going through. Yeah, definitely. Um, understand the uh, change, right? Change is huge. And also not necessarily knowing what to expect. You know, when when I was in West Bank, we were we were like leading the way and change in, in a lot of things. So um, I know even today that uh, a lot of nations look to West Bank to see what they've done in land registry or law development and things like that. So it definitely, you know, being involved hands-on brought, gave me, gained me a lot of experience in that uh, grassroots approach to mm -hmm. looking at what is it that we're trying to accomplish as a community? And that's really the questions that each of the nations look at. It's not a, uh, it's not a cut and paste. It's a, what do we want to do with our land governance? And that can be different in every nation across Canada. I'm glad you brought up law because, uh, I mean, this is all based on legislation. And when it comes to teaching people about the land code, obviously you're dealing with either chiefs or councils or band members who maybe don't, obviously don't have a legal background. And your job is to try to simplify and clarify what this all means. Has that been a challenge at all? Well, that, that is one of the key points in our strategic 
consideration is looking at our audiences. We know that um, we have, uh, we categorize them into four different uh, groups. So we have our land governance directors, lands managers, our land staff and administrative support. And then our, our chief and councils, our leadership are another category. And then of course our lands committees that may be um, developed within the land code. And, and of course our community members, our community members need to understand what's happening, um, how this change is going to affect them or affect business on reserve. So those are our direct community support helps to facilitate those audiences and learning levels for each of them. I know I was helping uh, one of your developmental nations, uh, Buckingham Mi'kmaq Nation here in Nova Scotia. And we had, uh, I think, uh, Danielle Alain down mm -hmm. from Eastern Zone. Yes. Who was very helpful at a couple of community meetings. I think she drove about five or six hours to get there and, and help present information. So um, I just wanted to give her a shout out and I'm sure there are others across the country who you know are doing excellent work on your behalf. Yes, we have an amazing uh, group of staff. Um, we continue to grow and uh, each one of them brings their own uh, unique perspective in supporting uh, their communities as well uh, through uh, land code um, or other governance needs. So yeah, we have a really, uh, a really great group of, of staff at the resource center for sure. Right on. I know when, when someone goes to your website at labrc.com and goes to the events tab, if they click on that, they'll see a series of online workshops planned between now and I think December. Can you tell us what that strategy is or what that program is going to be? Yeah, so we um, we have designed or we've put forward our, our, our save the date schedule till December 2021 and essentially looking to uh, number one, make sure that, that the save the date is there and just to also support other organizations that are out there in cross-referencing dates of workshops and that. But we uh, collect uh, feedback from our resource center staff, as well as our signatory communities on what their needs are. And um, from that, we design workshop deliveries that help to meet and address those subject matters that individuals are, are needing more assistance with. And so, we do have a, a good lineup into December. And of course, um, we do have save the date because they can be changed. Uh, if sometimes there's specific issues that come up and then we are able to jump in and uh, target what a current situation might be and to get that information out to everybody. So we uh, focus our, our training based on the needs that we're hearing from, from the communities directly. Okay. I know in our last episode, I spoke with Andrew Bynan, who mm -hmm. is uh, your legal person, uh, lands code, land code governance, I guess. And he was involved in an online or virtual workshop to deal with First Nation policing. And I think had about 260 people register. Is that something that happens separate and away from the programming that you do in your shop? Yeah, we run um, the training, mentorship and professional development workshops are separate and apart from the national online conversation. Um, our workshops are focused on uh, framework agreement content specifically. 
uh, on the national online conversation is more of an open conversation for all Indigenous communities across Canada, uh, not just those that are signatory to the framework agreement. So that's the major difference uh, in, in those two those two sets of workshops and webinars. Okay, good stuff. A couple of elements that I'll just go very quickly over. You've got an online course catalog. There's a knowledge path tool. That looked really interesting. Is that helpful, that knowledge path tool? Yeah, the knowledge path tool is one of our newest uh, TMPD uh, tools from our strategic approach. And that knowledge path tool is meant to support individual learning and capacity building. So as an individual, you can create a user name and password and within that you just follow through the process and answer some questions on what you're looking to build in your capacity needs and um, what's what you also what your community is looking for support on so once you go through that uh, process it helps to focus in on some of the tools that we do have but it also helps us to understand what you're looking for so it goes back into that community needs uh, training focus. So from there, we can continue to design as, you know, learning trends may may change. And then that way we're on top of the those subject matters. But the, the tool itself is meant to support you as an individual learner, or you can use it as a tool within your community. You could use it as a, your lands committee could all fill it out. And, you know, that could help bring a learning package to your committee that we could support you with in, you know, designing how what courses you might want to take as a group and move forward in that type of a, a strategic approach. Sure. A good example is Buckinka, as I mentioned, here in Nova Scotia. And when they signed on, I was helping with the original communications around community engagement, you know, teaching people the basics of land code and writing plain language documents. And my first thought was, look, here I am a non-Indigenous person. I know nothing about the land code. Where am I going to learn and how do I share this with the community? And somebody pointed me, I think it was Rose Paul, pointed me to your website. And it blew me away with the number of training resources, tools, templates, and a ton of examples of how other communities raise this with their, uh, with their public, their general public. And I mean, you've got everything right there on the website, I'm assuming. You seem to have it all covered. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's a, a big part of our, our, our main point of our strategic, our TMPD strategy is to have these online tools available, um, uh, developed from nations in support of other nations. So um, each First Nation contributes to uh, supporting the best practice that is on our website at this point. And it's a it's a a live tool, so you may see you may see changes uh, depending on what's going on. Uh, if there's been a new precedent made or a new uh, court case has come up, so we do our best to try and stay on top of those changes in our materials. But it is a yeah, we're very excited to number one hear that you found it very useful, but to be able to share this information online that's accessible to anyone who's interested in learning more about land governance and the tools that um, are available to them. Yeah, uh, I remember when, I think they changed the uh, the approval, the voting, community voting from a double majority threshold to a single. You guys were on that right away. And that's an example, I guess, of something developing? 
Yeah. Or uh, breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> breaking news that um, <laughs> the um, the community ratification processes uh, now have been the the models have been designed to support the e-voting requirement, not requirements, but uh, processes that could be used as a as a model. And yeah, the changes to the framework agreement uh, through the amendments that are coming forward, we want to ensure that our our website is up to date and that there, those tools and communication materials are and resources are changed and updated as, as needed for sure. I'm glad you mentioned e-voting because I've been speaking with John Maxson in your communications group mm -hmm. and I think we're going to plan an episode on that. So uh, if you're listening and you have an interest in that, uh, look for that on an upcoming episode of Land Decolonized. Angie, I know I've caught you in the middle of a busy presentation and you have to leave very shortly. Can I just uh, end by asking you, is there anything else you want to share about the work of your training, mentorship and professional development activities coming up? Thank you very much for uh, having me and definitely I encourage everyone to uh, look at our events page, um, register for anything that may interest you. We not only open our workshops to signatory uh, First Nations under the Framework Agreement on First Nation Land Management, but we also open it up to any interested nation, uh, First Nation, who'd like to participate and learn more about the Framework Agreement, as well as accessing our tools through our resource page, our courses, if there's anything that, uh, if you have any questions for your listeners, they can, they're always welcome to contact us and we'll do our best to provide them with the, with the uh, materials and support that they have for their questions. Okay. Can people just use the telephone number and email addresses found on the website? Yes. Yes. We have a, a contact us uh, page and you can even just write a message right through the website and we'll make sure that it gets to the appropriate person to support, to give you support. Thank you so much, Angie. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have you back again in the months ahead to talk about what else you're doing. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Richard. Okay, just to follow up on what Angie said about the save the date options, you can check them out at labrc.com events. There is one event for each month from now until December. Next to the events tab is the contact us tab, which will put you in touch with resource center staff for any questions you may have. I'm Richard Perry. Thanks for listening to Land Decolonized.